Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to episode 78 of Double Hot Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and craft beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. This week, as promised, we are going to touch on some of the other breweries that James was able to visit during our trip to St. Louis. But first, in case anybody else is headed to St. Louis in the near future, we want to just briefly touch on some of the other things we did that were not beer related. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of these actually end up being beer related because the city of St. Louis really just has so many spots where you can grab a craft beer. It really doesn't matter if it's a brewery or not because you can enjoy a lot of these craft beers at some of the most popular and famous locations if you're traveling um, with your family so the best of both worlds you get to enjoy some new scenery as well as enjoy a craft beer from the local spots yeah definitely i mean i think every Every city you could turn into a craft beer adventure if you wanted to at this point. but Yeah, and I think one of the first places that people associate with St. Louis, I know for me, was Budweiser. But I know for you, Shannon, one of the first kind of things that pop into your mind when you think you have to go to St. Louis, what you have to do. The Arch is probably one of the most famous landmarks, and it's a national park, correct? Yes. So how's it? Arch worked. It's kind of interesting that the Arch is in the downtown area, it's pretty close to the Cardinal Stadium, which is really cool, like walking distance. So everything, that's like one of the great things I loved about St. Louis is it's a lot smaller than you might think, where everything's pretty much approachable from a walking standpoint. There's plenty of parking near the stadium that you can pretty much walk around the stadium, go to the arch, walk around the park that they have there, and a lot of cool restaurants to the stadium that you can check out all within, you know, walking distance, which is great. Yeah, and for the arch, you can really spend as much time there or as little time as you want. It took us, so I'd say the least amount of time if you're going to go up to the arch itself, like the top, then that would be about an hour process total. And then if you wanted, there's in the visitor center below, there's a lot of history and exhibits you can look at just on how, you know, the West became what it is now. And just, I think there was a little bit about Lewis and Clark and kind of the migration of American people throughout the country. So that's you can definitely take a lot of time walking through there. There's a lot of local history, and but that part's definitely like self-led. Yes, like you get the tickets, and then you kind of just can go through that yourself, or you can just breeze through it like we did, walk through it, <laughs> and because we were crunched for time, and just literally had to run to get to our time slot to go up to the arch. Yes, they are time tickets, but you actually don't need. Nobody scanned our ticket until. I don't think we until we went up to go to the arch. So. Yeah, until they, go, they were I, picking how many people for the little pods that take yeah, you Yeah, I think up. you can go to the walkthrough part without having a ticket, but there are time tickets to go to the top. I thought it was good. I, I'm, I might not do it again if we were to go back to St. Louis, unless somebody I was with really wanted to do it who hadn't done it before. I will not be doing it. But again. it was a nice view from the top. It was cool to see the city and just... Can we talk about if you are claustrophobic and have a fear of heights, this is definitely not something for you because not only do you not have a view when you're going up, it takes about four minutes to go up. You're put in these little like 
escape pods from Star Wars that literally these concrete, like, circular things where even Shannon had to duck to get in. And, Mm -hmm. like, we were, like, hunched over. And for reference, I'm five foot one, so. Yeah. (laughs) And there's, like, five little seats in these little pods. I don't know. Thank God there's only two other people Mm -hmm. in the pod with us. But the only like window or like door is where you, the door is and it's look facing inward to the arch. So you see all the n- nuts and bolts of mm-hmm. the actual arch, all the electrical conduit and everything like that. And it kind of feels like a, not a roller coaster, but you go up a little bit and you kind of feel on, yourself going up yes. and kind of like arching with the arch. It's a mixture of conveyor belt system and elevator. So it kind of, because of the way the arch is designed, it has to use both approaches to get the car up safely and through the curve. So it is a little bit different experience. I mean, I think it's a engineering marvel. It's a definitely, oh, if you're course. into engineering and structural foundations of buildings, it's definitely something to check out. But yeah. And then once you're up there, it's kind of like arch. So you're walking on the top part of the arch. And if it's really cool. windy, you do feel the breeze. So like you can feel the arch swaying. Yeah, I was getting a little nauseous up there and the, wi- the viewing windows are very small. Um, they're kind of like narrow rectangles, but you can like, they have it so you can kind of like lay so you can like look out the windows if you want yes. to. I think because if you made them bigger and well, yeah. flush, then you, the structural integrity of the arch well, would yeah, obviously, be yeah, compromised. So that's yeah. not a great thing. Um, yeah, that was a cool. But great view of the stadium. Like pretty cool to see the stadium yeah. and um, like some of the architecture that they have in St. Louis so, and also the river as well. Yeah, I think it was a nice a nice little adventure for the two of us to do while your brother and sister-in-law stayed with our daughter. So that was great. And then we also, in addition to the arch, we went to the zoo, which I think was a great experience. I, we enjoyed it as adults. I think it's great for kids too. They have a lot of nice animals or multiple, they have multiple different elephants, like types of elephants. And yeah, it's definitely one of my a, favorite parts of the trip because mm-hmm. not only was it free, which is awesome they had so much craft beer like everywhere within that zoo at the concessions (laughs) where i was shocked like i've never seen like i don't ever remember zoos having as many beer options and as seeing as many people walking around with like a craft beer Mm -hmm. and again 50 50 split i would see people with like the craft beer cans of their local craft breweries and then like the budweiser but it's also considered local there so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like an interesting thing to think about like First, New England, we don't think like, oh, you're having a Budweiser. Oh, that's a local beer because it's not. Yeah. I mean, but, the fact that it was founded there, but there are production facilities semi-local to us. Like, yeah, in Merrimack, New, New Hampshire. Yeah, in Merrimack, New Hampshire. It's kind of local to us, but yeah, you're right. It's based in St. Louis, so local for them. But I thought that was another great thing to check out. Even if you don't have kids, I thought it was enjoyable for adults too who... Yeah, I mean, we also had perfect weather. It was almost had like fall-like weather where it was like maybe 68 degrees um it was like just warm enough but it wasn't like freezing so unlike st louis that's normally in like the 90s or 100 degree weather Mm -hmm. where it might be a little hot for that zoo because it's there's not much cover um at that zoo but it was definitely a a fun little thing that if you're looking for something to do and the great thing about the zoo is modern brewery across (laughs) the street from the zoo yeah it's in forest park which is has a lot of different attractions, which we didn't get to either. So there's a science museum and an art museum and great walking trail. So definitely something to check out. But I know that's not why people are listening to this podcast. The main focus, the beer. They're here for the beer. So James. So my list of breweries was pretty extensive. And my brother and I had 
not even a day to explore these. So I kind of pick and choose which ones and then went off the recommendation of Will from Four Hands Brewing that we had on our last episode as one of the brewery stops that we made. So the first stop we did was Urban Chestnut Brewing, and that was at the Grove in Forest Park. Now, this is like a up-and-coming neighborhood, like, had a really cool feel almost reminded me of Colorado with like Mm -hmm. the big they had a big like sign going over the street that said the grove like really cool street lights and it was just kind of like on the corner plenty there was parking on the street um it was a lot bigger than I thought this brewery was from the pictures so it was in like an industrial style building which is really cool you walk in and you're immediately greeted with all their cans that they had to go as well as they had this little area that had some games like shuffleboard some old arcade games but the shuffleboard of course wasn't working like they didn't have enough sand so like literally you couldn't do anything with it but I'm sure they just needed to refill the sand Did that impact the flavor of their beer? No, but the experience, I mean, my brother and I want to play a game while we were there and we couldn't because there was, it just didn't work. So they, they had a little game area. Then you walk up some stairs and then it was like a giant, I say beer hall, even though it's not beer hall in the traditional sense, just by the size of it, where I'm categorizing a beer hall as a space large enough for like 300 people two to 300 people that there's the long bench style tables. They had a couple high top short tables as well. Or you could just sit at the bar, which was really cool to look at because their brew house was right in the center of their bar, which is Mm -hmm. really cool. And also their menu was pretty extensive from traditional German styles. Again, we were in the fall season, so they had a lot of Marzins, Pilsners, Box, Double Box. And I think there was a pint for $5 for an Oktoberfest, and it came in one of the big steins. I feel like this is the time of year when German beer shines. Oh, and it was great. So we, we had some of that. And I also, of course, had to have an IPA while I was there. So I asked them what they were most excited about. And they said the Fantasyland West Coast IPA, which is 6.5%. It was clean. It had a good balance between the bitterness and citrus flavors. And also had a great citrus aroma, which I thought was unique for a West Coast IPA. So I really enjoyed that. One of the beers that we actually, we didn't have at the brewery, but it's probably one of my new favorite lagers, was this their Iwickle uh, Bavarian Lager, which is a 5.1% ABV beer. Just super drinkable, not dark. It was just what you would expect from a good lager with a nice golden color. And that's probably one of their most popular beers as far as what I've seen and what I've read about this brewery. So that's definitely a beer that's worth drinking and worth picking up if you happen to be in the St. Louis area or if you're able to get your hands on that that's a good beer to have and that's the beer that I would really suggest if you're going to only have one beer from Urban Chestnut is there a Wickle Bavarian Lager which even surprised me because Mm -hmm. I'm picking that over a six and a half percent West Coast IPA. Yeah that is surprising a lager over an IPA. Is the lager something they have year-round or is it just to the season? I believe year-round but i'm not sure okay so you might be able to pick it up in grocery stores or something yeah uh, well, you wherever they find sell it. beer yeah, in exactly St. Louis. exactly okay well you guys kind of went on a little beer crawl i guess or bar crawl or brewery call, crawl you yeah. had a you had a nice little guys night while myself and your sister-in-law watched our daughter yeah, but it was pretty quick. It, it was like one or two beers <laughs> at each one. Like, yeah, we, but that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, you don't want to make yeah. it. 
that you have so many at one, you can't get to the next. So, yeah. So after Urban Chestnut, and again, like we started in the afternoon, so we had plenty of food as well. I think we got the uh, pretzel from Urban Chestnut, which was really good, and I think that came with a mustard dipping sauce, mm. which was really good. That sounds delicious. And again, it matches and pairs really well with those lagers, pilsners as well. You'll get out some of that nice maltiness mm. from those beers and the toffee notes too for some of those darker aged ales as well. So it's a, it's a good, like, it soaks up the alcohol as well too. So it helps pace things out. But again, the great thing about these German styles is they're lower ABV. So you're not drinking 9% beers. You're drinking four and a half, anywhere from four and a half to 5.5 percent beers Mm -hmm. so then after the urban chestnut brewing we did a little walking around that little street there which is kind of cool that had a lot of apartment buildings and then we went off to four hands brewing Mm -hmm. which was the showstopper that i highly recommended as i mentioned in our last episode cool vibe and again i didn't even realize how big the upstairs was until will had like brought it up and again i'm like all right to my brother, I'm like, seriously, like, we could have went upstairs. But I, we like the smaller feel anyway. And usually that's where they have a lot of parties and bookings. But definitely if I go back to St. Louis, I'll be checking out the upstairs of Four Hands Brewing. And my favorite beer, again, as I mentioned on the last episode, was the Fest Beer, which was their take on a Marzen, as well as the PF Prussia, which is kind of like a sour. Mm. So that was kind of surprising to me. But again small I can only take small doses of that so I just tried a taste of that and it was really delicious but I couldn't drink a full pour of that and citywide of course is their well-known and most popular beer so again I had to have that and that's a good uh, just a solid drink everyday drinker I wouldn't necessarily reach for that over something else but again it was a great beer to have and again it was a great vibe they had food there as well but we were planning to get food elsewhere afterwards to go to Perennial on Lockwood based on Will's recommendation. Mm -hmm. So I thought that, again, that was really cool that he realized, you know, after talking with him that we were, you know, visiting and to try and get the most out of the craft breweries in the area and what he recommended. And he said, if you want something really strange or something funky, something mild, you know, Mm -hmm. some milds they might, might have on draft, go check out Perennial because they tend to experiment with all different flavors so he was spot on with that and i think if you know that going in to perennial it improves your experience yeah so i would (laughs) say with perennial the location we went to was more of a restaurant Mm -hmm. than a brewery but again if you're looking for a restaurant it's it's there and it is part of a brewery like the beers are all from there Mm -hmm. uh so you're the menu was just way too big, in my opinion, of what beers they had. And again, that kind of goes along with what Will had mentioned of their mm-hmm. experimenting and kind of, in my opinion, taking every th- possible combination of different hops and different malts and just tweaking everything slightly different. So you could have four beers that pretty much might have the same base malts, but then they're tweaking what hop combinations, how much is dry hopped, or whether they're putting hops in at the mash, or what kind of yeast they're using for those different IPAs. So they had like five IPAs that I tried. And again, they didn't, most of these places don't do flights. So that's something to keep in mind as well, um, which I thought was very unique. And I know 
a lot of the opinions are 50-50 split on bartenders who enjoy pouring flights and find value in having flights versus those who don't find the value in it, that it slows down their ability Mm -hmm. to serve as well as you're not going to get the full flavor of a beer from a five-ounce pour. And I think I'm on the fence now. I was all pro-flight before just because I like to try things when I'm out of town and I don't want to have to sit through a whole pint of something um, if I might not like it, if it might just not be for me, as well as moderating how much alcohol I'm taking in as well. I don't want to get necessarily hammered every time I go to a brewery, but I would love to try new craft beers and new flavors and see if it's something I would want to brew myself or have Mm -hmm. again so now what's your stance against them so my stance against it would be again with if you're busy and having to pour you know so you're more saying from the bartender from the bartender exactly from a consumer standpoint i i don't see anything substantial with the difference of tasting the flavor in a five ounce pour versus the pint necessarily depending on, of course, on the style. So for example, some of those aged beers, you really need the nice glassware to Mm -hmm. really get the aromas out of it, to get the flavors. And it's also, you don't want to kill your taste buds if you, say, have a flight and you start with the heavy-hitting IPAs and then you go to like some fruity beers or some interesting blends of blondes and Mm -hmm. lagers because then your flavor profile is going to be totally off and your taste buds are just going to be shot from those first couple beers that you had. Again, the pros to a flight is then you don't have those customers asking for a taste. So you get a sip, not even a sip of a beer. So that's my yeah. my dilemma with flights is, you know, it's good from one standpoint, but then the other, if then the alternative is the customer then is going to ask for tastings and you give them a tasting, aka a sip of a beer, you're going to get mostly the foam from what I've seen from those and maybe not even a sip of what that flavor is. So to me, that's more detrimental to having a flight of beers is having a taster. But the workaround, which many of the breweries in St. Louis were doing was you could piecemeal. So you could get, you know, six ounce pours um, of beers, but they wouldn't give you a flight of them. So you would Mm -hmm. just say, all right, I want, you'd basically make your own flight if you wanted to like what we did and we split them so we're like all right we'll take six six ounce pours of this this Mm -hmm. and this and this so you're essentially getting the same experience as a flight you're just not in the traditional flight paddle um and it's more of to discourage people from doing that but Yeah. yeah so interesting I feel like we have we could have a larger conversation on. Hey, th- we could have a whole episode no on the flight debate. Because I have some thoughts on that, but that's not over here for and today. And if so. any of you listeners have a thought on that, feel free to direct message us on our Instagram at Double Hot Beat Podcast. Or if you're an expert in the field of sensory of and you have an opinion on uh, beer flights, feel free to let us know on that as well, and we'll share that with everybody. So the favorite beer that I had from Perennial, it was called Saturn's Rings. And it was an American pale ale. And one of the great things I liked about this pale ale was the use of Vienna malt. It had malted rye and it had all mosaic hops. So you know how I love my mosaic. Mm -hmm. It's such a dynamic hop that's great for both not only aroma for dry hopping, but also as a bittering hop. So I just really thought this pale ale highlighted not only the hop, but the malted rye and the malts that they used in this beer. 
And again, my one other negative with this particular location was they didn't mark which beers were what. So they just kind of came over with a platter full of our beers and just plopped them down. And was like, here, here you go. And it's not like, well, left to right, which one's what. I pretty much had to have the menu there and look at the beer, taste the beer, and look at the ingredients to determine which one was which. So that was a huge negative because it was discouraging for my brother, at least, who was trying to figure out which beer he liked the best so he could order another beer. So it inhibited him mm-hmm. from ordering another beer because he wasn't sure if he was going to order the right one. Yeah. And even I had, you know, we both ordered slightly different beers. So I was like, well, th- this one could be one of two things based on the descriptions. And I don't know what it is. So it stumped even me, which is kind of kudos as well to the brewer that like Will said, like it's so unique that there's some funk, there was like a funk, certain funk flavor to it um that i just couldn't pick up on so i don't know whether it was the yeast or Mm. something with fermentation but that funk also like was kind of off-putting to many of the beers that we tried there um and we tried a total of 10 beers total and all of them kind of had that same kind of funk even their lager we tried two of their lagers and they had kind of something weird to it so if my predict my recommendation is if you're not someone who likes kind of like a funk in your beer or something or weird. doesn't like to be as adventurous yeah but i mean even adventurous i mean i'm pretty adventurous but this was like a real funk not like a almost like a sour kind of like that kind of funk but in an ipa which was very weird and the only way I, my brother kind of described it and he's like this sounds terrible but this beer tastes like medical tape and oh, i God. was like You've tasted medical tape, but I could get that kind of... That's the only way I could actually think of describing yeah. the flavor of that as well. And again, that doesn't sound very appealing at all. But if that sounds appealing to you, that beer might have been like in your Stockholm of like, wow, this is amazing because it's got this unique... And you could probably pick out why it tasted mm. that way. But for us, it was a little too funky for us, a little too busy, too much of a restaurant vibe at this particular location. But again, we appreciated like the ability to try and figure out experimental beers, which is great. Like, and it's unique. So I love that about the spot, but it was just missing that brewery feel. It had more of a restaurant feel. So mm-hmm. again, that's that location on Lockwood and it was next to another big restaurant as well. I don't remember the name of it, but it was a, there it was a joint venture at that location gotcha. between the restaurant and the brewery. So, okay. Well, I was kind of bummed I didn't get to join you, but I wanted to give you some boys' time. Some so, boys' time. Boys' time. Guys' time. Boys' time. We were home before 8 p.m., so... Okay, well... It was it was not late. But we did get to go to the local their local liquor store and pick out some beers that from the breweries that we didn't get to go to just so we can enjoy them all together back at his house with everybody. And one of those great breweries that I is on my list for the next time we visit is Modern Brewing, as I mentioned, right across mm-hmm. from the zoo. And yeah, across from Forest Park. Yeah. And they their beer, Citropolis IPA, was one of my favorite beers other than the Forehands IPA and Fest beer that I had when I was there. And that was just a great citrusy IPA. And it was just wonder, a wonderful beer to have. And it wasn't too boozy either. So definitely check them out if you're going to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. 
The other two that we didn't get to that were on our list that we talked about going to are Rockwell and I think it's Shafley? 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 Yeah, and they had that brewery, Shafley, was in the airport as well. They had a location, but we didn't have time between lugging the stroller and (laughs) all the bags. Traveling with an infant, not as easy to pop in and get a beer before your flight. So Yeah. Yeah, but the one place that I got to go to is the Budweiser factory. She did. <laughs> yes. Yeah, did. so we, we booked a tour. I think we, we've mentioned on the show before that we were going to go check it out. But I didn't want to do just a traditional tour because, I mean, we've all been on brewery tours. James, I mean, we, we homebrew beer, so we didn't need the, this is how beer is made, and this is where it ferments. And Here's this the is, ginormous size yeah, like, fermenters. Yeah, all of the tanks and everything. So I was like, what else can we do? And also something our daughter would be would enjoy because again taking a small child on a brewery tour not always the most entertaining for them so and a lot of the options for the tours if you're looking to go to a tour for Budweiser are 21 plus yeah a couple were 21 plus uh because there was a finisher's tour which I thought James would enjoy because that literally brings you right to the beer part of it but that you had to be 21 plus to go on so the one I did find that we all enjoyed was the Clydesdale experience and that is something unique. You go through the stables that they have where the Clydesdales are housed. You can pet a Clydesdale. They talk about the history of the Clydesdales and how they became affiliated with Budweiser. And just basically everything you want to know about the famous Budweiser Clydesdales, their different markings, how they tell them apart, how they even qualify to become a Budweiser Clydesdale. So it was really interesting, and you got to drink a beer while we walked around and did the tour. They had a big fridge that yeah, you got to they, grab beer from. In the stable so. where they had all the retired Clydesdale horses, they had the big cases with all their harnesses and blinders and everything else, and they had this ginormous Budweiser glass cooler mm-hmm. filled with all the aluminum cans of Budweiser, Bud Light, and I think they had one other option in there. There was the zero or their yeah, new zero. Yeah, their zero, I think. Yeah. So, of course, we everyone was a little shy on the tour. of. I think we were a total of 10, 10 of us on the tour. Mm-hmm. Everyone was a little shy of who's going to be the first one to pop open the cooler. And I was like, it's probably going to be me. And then my brother just immediately runs over to the cooler and goes, all right, who wants one? Butt heavy for you? Butt heavy for you? And I'm like, I'll take a butt heavy. And then some guy's like, I'll take one. Yeah, he was really, as like before the guy even stopped talking about where to get the beer, Hans was like in there getting beer. So, so shout out to him uh, for cracking Breaking open the, the, yeah. the ice. Although the, the guy giving the tour did not appreciate the Bud Heavy announcement. <laughs> he was like, you mean like a regular Budweiser? Yeah, he goes, it's called regular Budweiser. <laughs> I mean, like the kid was like a great tour guide and he was just like, must have thought it was really funny because he probably, I don't think, th- he probably doesn't hear that. That must be like a, New, a England New England thing, thing yeah. of saying Bud Heavy for a regular Budweiser. Yeah. So he's like, it's just regular. It's a regular yeah, Budweiser. Yeah, I was, I was dying laughing. But I was also like, you know what? Like, you'd think if you're on a Budweiser tour, you would have like, I guess it's because it's in the stables. But I was like, we're having basically like an aluminum canned version. Basically, you could get at any sporting event like or like it it wasn't really special. But then again, like it is from the brewery. So it makes sense. It's the same thing as like pulling out a can of Budweiser. And he got to we got to enjoy it while he gave us a tour and we saw the horses and got to pet Merlin. So that one tasted the same. I have to because everyone's going to ask, did Budweiser beer taste better at the factory than what you can get? elsewhere elsewhere mm-hmm. and for that one of course my answer is it was not 
any better than it was the same as it was the same as if you got it at a sporting event but that we'll get to a little bit later at the end of the tour of when we got we can we can get to that now okay well is there something else you want to say about horses no I don't. I don't have any other horse. I don't, I don't want to give too much, much of horse because trivia because then you kind of lose the luster of um, what's on the tour. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If people want to take this, which I just want to say, I highly recommend doing it. It's something different. If you've been on a lot of brewery tours, but you still want to go to Budweiser, I liked this one. And if you have kids with you, like it's just a great experience for the kids mm-hmm. as well. So it's something you can enjoy. And there's not too much trivia, like not trivia, but there's not history. too much facts and history about the horses where you're kind of sitting there and you're like oh my God, when is this going to end? Like, I don't care that much about horses. I just give me the rundown of what the horses are, some basics. Like, but they are very open to asking questions and they had the trainer there. Shout out to Merlin, I have to say. Merlin he's a is horse. My, Merlin's my favorite Clydesdale now because he's just awesome. Yeah. So at the end of the tour, you get more beer, which was nice. Yeah, and they had it from a beer truck yeah. right in there outside of their factory, which was really cool. It was a nice day again. So of course... They had Budweiser, Bud Light, and I think Michelob, I think, was yeah. the options. No, they also had, I had Mango Cart. Oh, Mango Cart. That's right, because yeah. they, they bought uh, Golden Road. they own Golden Road, because what don't they own right now? I know. So I had to have the Bud Heavy, and that did taste different. That actually was, it had so much more of a crisp flavor than just the same experience out of the aluminum can in the stable. So I, I do think pouring from draft at the the factory does taste better. And again, it wasn't necessarily a perception of it because I well, I guess you could still make the argument that it could have been perception because I mean, the other one also, was out of a can a yeah, bottle versus yeah. this was out of draft. So And how often naturally. do you go somewhere and order a draft? Oh, never. Of Budweiser. Never. So it's was different for you because you don't usually drink that. So but I, I can say my mango cart tasted pretty much the same. Yeah. Well, I think they said certain beers that even are under Budweiser aren't actually made at the Budweiser factory. Yeah, they're up based out of California. Yeah, so. Yeah, but overall, and we also got some fried ravioli, which is a big St. Louis thing. That was pretty they good. We have that at the, at the brewery, so they have a little, like, kind of snack meal stand you can go to. And that wraps up part two of the Gateway to Craft Beer, our St. Louis experience. And we want to thank you all for listening to this week's episode. We're always looking for homebrewers to come on and share their stories, so please feel free to DM us on our Instagram. And make sure you follow us as well, because that really helps us get new listeners and to find new homebrewers just like you. And that's at Double Hot Beat Podcast. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps us get out there to new listeners. And this has been Double Double Hot Hot Beat. Beat. Catch Catch you on on the brew side. side.